All right. That is Thomas with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Featherstone Nutrition. What do they call you sometimes? You call me Feathers. Feathers, so we can tell the Megans apart. We have the very intelligent Megan Featherstone here with us, which is why we can make these episodes every couple of weeks. Megan, do you, what are your credentials again? A bunch of random letters shoved at the end of my name that stand for registered dietitian and certified specialist in sports nutrition. So you're not guessing at this stuff. You actually have some, you know, educational background. I'm the biggest nerd out there, and I love to read research articles and put PMID numbers in my Instagram posts, which means that's how you find the journal journal article online, and people are like, what is that? It's just insanely nerdy, and we love it. Okay, I have a question for you, because like, it seems like nutrition is one of those things that we're still always learning new things about. Like, How have we not figured out everything about nutrition? That's a really good question. I hope we don't figure it all out and I'm out of a job. No, I think, you know, everything's evolving. So we're learning new things. You know, I think especially with sports nutrition, there's just new things coming out that could potentially help our performance. And that's what we're all looking for, right? We're looking for that edge of what do we need to do differently to make sure that we're getting the most out of our training. So there's just so many different elements that we can change and tweak and, you know, try different things um, that they're constantly doing new research on it. And then we get to talk about it. Right. But that's the thing, like at different times you hear like, oh, fats are bad or carbs are bad or salt is bad or this and this is bad. And those all come from nutritionists at some point. How does when do like how does the layman understand like, okay, why was that said then and things have changed now? You listen to our podcast is what we do now um, but you know to your point right like is it butter or margarine it depends on what decade you were in like was butter better yeah. or was margarine better and honestly it does it comes from science so it's like what do we think is worse and then as we learn more we're like oh wait no actually it's worse to put trans fat in something saturated fat is better so it is kind of confusing though because one day it's one thing and then the next day it's another so um it can be very confusing which again is why we're here to chat it out Cool. Well, you know what? Maybe this is a good time to get into it. What do you think, May? Let's do it. So before we dive into our listener question, let's talk about our sponsor, Inside Tracker. Thomas, what is Inside Tracker? Funny you should ask. Inside Tracker is an ultra-personalized nutrition platform that uses blood work to create one-of-a-kind, science-backed action plan to help you reach your potential for better performance and a longer, healthier life. Yeah, so they were founded in 2009, and the Boston company first started working with professional athletes who wanted to see what their biomarkers, hormone, and mineral profiles look like during their training and how they could use nutrition and lifestyle to improve. Get this, they measure over 30, 30 biomarkers and recommend food and supplements to optimize things like your energy, cognition, endurance, heart health, and more. And... The really great news for you all is for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off their entire store. Boom. Just go to insidetracker.com slash fuel. So this week we have a user submission from Chris G and he sent us an audio file. So let's go ahead and take a listen. Hey guys, so every summer when my miles start to ramp up, 
it seems like my appetite kind of fades away. Uh, while I'm pretty conscious about my hydration during the summer runs, uh, consuming the extra calories to fully refuel between sessions can seem like a little bit of a chore too. Uh, lately, I've noticed that recovery between sessions just seemed to take a little bit longer, and I'm thinking it has something to do with maybe a calorie deficit. Um, but short of choking down those extra bagels, is there any nutritional strategies you can offer to help aid in recovery between sessions? Uh, thanks. I mean, clearly Chris has been a follower of Featherstone Nutrition for a while as he's talking about choking down bagels. Because as you all know, yes. um, as miles increase, I tell you to eat more bagels. So thank you, Chris, for following along for probably a few years now. Um, but I think, you know, to get to his point, he's wondering what do we need to do from a nutrition standpoint as we start to increase those miles, you know, in that peak week of our training. So if anybody's listening and doesn't know what that is, how would you guys uh, define peak week? So peak week is basically like the heaviest week of your training. So you have this base building mileage and you're slowly ramping up and, you know, you're doing more speed work. And then you get to this peak of training where it's like your highest mileage. Peak and, of fitness too. And hopefully peak of fitness and uh, your highest mileage, your hardest workouts uh, right before you go into some sort of a little bit of taper before your big event. So it's sort of like when you're really working the hardest in your training cycle. So I think, you know, speaking from both Chris's question and then what I see in most of my athletes is that unfortunately this peak week often collides with a decrease in appetite. So if we're all solely relying on appetite to help fuel us, we're probably going to end up under fueling those weeks, which means we don't have the energy to put into that training to get the most out of it to gain the most fitness. So we'll spend, you know, some time chatting through those types of things today. Do you know what else? I'm going to add on top of this as another little kink is we just got back from a race and you can't help but notice again, you see the elites and you see these people that are the pinnacle of our sport. And again, they're real thin, they're ripped. There's no body fat. And you're like, I want to look like that. I want to be able to run like they run. I want to have that runner's physique. And the first thing I thought to myself is like, have I been a little loose on my nutrition? And, and have I been like, where could I, where could I cut? So along with that, I think that when you're hitting the peak week and you're getting ready for racing, we've talked about this before. You said, if you show up feeling doughy, you've done it right. Um, but it's, it's hard, like not to look at these people and go, I need to starve myself now. Thomas. <laughs> I know <laughs> you don't need to starve yourself. Um, and I think, you know, I'm laughing, but truthfully, I'm sure you're not the only one who has those thoughts. And it, to the earlier point of when our mileage is ramping up, when our intensity is ramping up and our appetite comes down, if that thought is in a runner's mind, it would make sense to the average runner that I should just listen to my appetite and not fuel my body as much, right? Um, but, you know, when we really look at the true sports nutrition, like there is no 
time in our training that it is more detrimental to cut back on nutrition than during a peak week, because it's just so important that we have the fuel in our bodies to fuel those workouts, to recover. I mean, that's when we're at the greatest risk of getting an injury, the greatest risk of, you know, not sleeping well because our nutrition and hydration is poor. And we know from a recovery standpoint, you know, of course we talk about nutrition around here and hydration, but it's also sleep, it's stress, you know, it's managing all those other pieces in our life that, you know, nutrition can have, you know, that interplay with there. So I think it's, it's, it's okay. And I, I work with a lot of my athletes about this to have kind of two voices in our minds, right? That voice that's like, listen to that appetite. You don't need to eat so much, right? You want to change your body composition, right? Because sometimes that voice is there and override that voice with that logical, you know, Megan or feathers over here of, no, we need to be eating to fuel this performance. We need to eat before we need to eat during, we need to recover after we need to have a snack. We need to have another meal, um, perhaps another bagel. And, you know, really just make sure that we're prioritizing that better than ever, um, you know, during those couple peak weeks. So back to his question specifically about recovery. And I know sleep is a really big part of that. Is there anything we should be doing or thinking about nutrition-wise to help promote sleep? Can I guess? What, Thomas? (laughs) I'm going to say protein. (laughs) Protein might help, yeah. But they've actually done some research where they've had a bedtime snack that's rich in carbohydrates actually helps us sleep. So then we'll also kind of loading a little more of those glycogen stores, hopefully overnight for that next workout the next day. Um, But yeah, there's been some really cool studies that look at like having a toast before bed or a banana or some graham crackers um, and that that can actually help with sleep. Um, And I know listeners are probably like, her answer is always carbs, which yeah, sometimes it is. But (laughs) there really is legit research behind that one. (laughs) That's interesting because I've also heard... Like people are like, stop eating after, I don't know, 6 p.m., 7 p.m., whatever, so that your body's not working hard to digest because that keeps you awake. Is that completely untrue? So if we're eating like a large meal that's high in fat and high in protein that takes longer to digest, that's absolutely true. So we don't really want to be eating dinner at nine and laying down at 9.45 to go to bed because, yeah, you're right. That's going to keep you awake because you're digesting so much. But for the same reason that we eat certain carbs before we run because they digest quickly would be kind of the same type of thing we would want to eat at night. Um, And they've also done some research on tart cherry juice helping with sleep so like before bed instead of having a glass of wine to wind down like pour yourself a glass of tart cherry juice um is this tart cherry cherry juice and vodka (laughs) thomas yours would be (laughs) (laughs) um so that would give you your carbs that would you know digest pretty easily and then also um you know the specific antioxidants in tart cherries might help with that sleep process so something to try what else with recovery? Is there anything specifically? So we had some people ask like specifically, what do we do with our macronutrients, right? So we've talked a lot about those on the show, our protein, our fat, our carbs, like how does that change for peak week? So, you know, kind of to your point, Thomas, like how does that change for recovery? So one of the things is the timing of nutrition. So for a lot of people in peak week, maybe they're doing, you know, two a day runs, or maybe they're doing another cross training or lifting session a second time in that day. So, you know, that recovery piece becomes incredibly important. So the two things that are important for recovery are obviously protein protein, but then also carbs. So within that, like 30 to 60 minutes, we want to make sure we're getting 
I would say like enough, like a bolus of protein to stimulate that muscle recovery. Because if we're just kind of snacking all day or grazing all day because our appetite's kind of crummy, we're never going to get that full dose of protein that's going to signal our muscles to recover. So that's weight-based. So for most females, I usually put them around like 25 to 30 grams. For guys, it could be, you know, 30 to 35 grams to really make sure that we're hitting, you know, what's stimulating that muscle protein synthesis with some good high quality protein. Um, So that will just become, you know, incredibly important during peak week to make sure that we're nailing that three, maybe four times a day, those protein needs. But then it's not just about protein, right? So when we're running, we're also depleting the glycogen stores, the the carbohydrates that we hang out in our muscles, because that's what fuels those higher intensity workouts that we're doing during peak week. So if we're not getting carbs to recover, we're not going to be restocking those glycogen stores. And there was this like crazy study they did, which we don't really do these studies anymore because you literally have to take like a biopsy of someone's muscle and not many runners want people to do that. So what they did is they had them run 10 miles, like hard back-to-back days and put like purposely undercut their carbs and it watched what happened to their performance. And each day that they didn't replace those glycogen stores, um, their performance just tanked. So by day four, they were like spent. So if you think about that in terms of like peak week, if we're not getting those carbs to also restock those glycogen stores to fuel those workouts, by the end of that peak week, we're going to be wrecked. Like we are going to feel awful and terrible and tired and not hitting workouts, not hitting paces, questioning our fitness and purpose in life and then you know just feeling like a a puddle of mope right by the end of this when really eat a bunch of carbs and i promise you you're going to start feeling better uh i don't always have time like today i needed to get back into the office after my run and normally i would have a featherston approved breakfast of you know proteins to carb ratio all that stuff but today i was like i gotta go so i took um one of those max bars that's kind of like a uh rx bar and i uh also did a scratch protein powder um in a 12 ounce mix so two scoops of their powder into the water and i downed that real quick grabbed the bar and got out um and did it shortly after my workout but i didn't have time for the full like breakfast am i damaging the process by by kind of replacing it with these quick and easies rather than doing you know like a full-on you know three eggs and and uh, ham and and a bagel like uh, not at all and i think it's important that we utilize some of those products because think about it as we're increasing mileage and intensity like we uh, we still have to live our normal life so we're cramming more training into our normal life so it's probably pretty common that people are running into this like i don't have time for breakfast like i always put on my plans for people like the fast grab and go option and to your point thomas it's almost always some sort of recovery drink that has carbs and protein but then we usually need even more carbs and protein than that so you're grabbing a you know some sort of protein or, or energy bar and then you know the only other thing i would have you do is like grab a banana or like a higher carb fruit so we're getting like carbs from three places enough protein from those two places so i think you know that's something that it's nice to have in our back pocket so that when we can't default to that beautiful bagel egg sandwich that we don't just not do anything like we have that fast quick option um for when we get in those situations i gotta start eating more bananas I think I just let them go bad until you put them into chocolate muffins and then... Yes, that's how it works at our house. I buy them, we don't eat them, and then we make muffins. I have a on my counter a section of don't touch these, they're for my muffins, and a family, you can eat these ones. And like they know, just don't touch the banana ones because 
somebody might get pissed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so you were talking about how maybe snacking, you'll never actually get enough of what you need. So if you were going to be during peak week, increasing your just overall caloric intake, are you saying it's better to eat like, let's say three bigger meals than snacks throughout the day? So I get that question a lot too. This is a really good one. I think we need to make sure we're nailing our protein plus some carbs at three meals a day, right? Like we don't want to spread our protein too thin throughout the day. So we want to make sure we're nailing that. But in that same tune, I often can't get my runners to eat enough carbs to support peak week at three meals. So that means we need to make sure that we're adding in snacks. So to your example, Thomas, you know, that breakfast that you just described was probably a little too small. So maybe we need to make sure that we have a decent, you know, carbohydrate based snack at like 10 a.m. before we hit up, you know, another full meal at breakfast. Um, so I think sometimes it's easier for athletes to add snacks in to meet those energy needs, just so they're not having to eat so much at one time. But there's really no reason why we couldn't just increase the size of meals, right? Like that would work too. So it really just depends on personal preference of like, how you're actually going to get enough energy in during those weeks. There was a good user question on here, which I'd love to hear your answer. And they said, how does Molly Seidel fuel for 135 mile weeks? I struggle to eat enough for 80 miles a week. I'm not going to lie. That was one of my favorite questions. And I haven't asked Molly how she does this, but I would love to pick her brain because I think we could all, you know, get a little some tips from from how she makes it successful but i think the one thing we have to remember is as much as we all want to think like we could go out there and run like molly like she's a genetic phenom that she could accomplish what she just did at the olympics from sweat rate to efficiency so when we when we look at elite runners they are very very efficient they make as you can see they make it look easy right so a newbie runner is going to be burning a lot more energy out there on a run than a molly so her energy needs probably aren't quite as astronomical as one might think. Like, it's not like because she's doing double miles, she needs double what I need, right? You know, it all boils down to, you know, that person's body type, that person's training, what their body's used to, the efficiency, their heart rate, which I think she posted her heart rate on Strava for that race. And it was shockingly impressive that she was able to sustain that. Um but, you know, I think it's it's really, again, really easy to compare ourselves to those types of things. But um, I think probably she's able to, with some, you know, strategies, make sure that she's getting that in um, or she wouldn't be, you know, doing as well as she is now. Um, but a lot of the folks that are at her level will drink some of their calories. So things like scratch, you know, they'll drink that throughout the day. So you're getting an extra 100 grams of carbs just from your beverages throughout the day. So sometimes those types of strategies can be really helpful when eating more physical volume of food feels hard <laughs> or threatening. Um, you know, I think a lot of times it, when I'm looking at how runners are eating, when we do hit those peak weeks, like in order to have space for enough carbs and protein, sometimes we have to scale back those veggies a little, right? And scale back those high fiber whole grains because those do, they make us feel full. That's the point, right? But sometimes during these weeks, we want to scale to, you know, the less fiber and maybe a little bit less, um, you know, fruits and vegetables so that we can make sure we're getting in those carbs and protein. Or take them in a different way because it's interesting. I was listening to the Emily Sisson um, interview that we did because we're going through with trying to pick out highlights for our 50th episode. And she brought up her love of smoothies. 
And I do think that's an easier way sometimes. It doesn't feel like a meal. It doesn't feel like a whole thing. And you can drink down a lot of the macros or whatever it is that you need in, in that form. And it doesn't feel like you're having a meal. So you can also then follow it up with a meal later that doesn't make you feel like you're eating five meals a day. Right. So it's like we're flipping those nutrition recommendations on on their head. Right. So like normally people are like, I don't want to eat a smoothie. I don't feel full for very long. Like if I drink my breakfast, I'm hungry in an hour. So those are the types of things. It's like, perfect. That's what we want you to do when we need you to eat a little more. Right. Um, so, you know, I think that's a that's a great example of how to how to make this work. Also, drinking scratch throughout the day is a great way to keep hydrated without you know, trying too hard. So you're killing two birds with one stone. It's tasty Basically. and expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it, I don't know how many people can, you know, down scratch every day, but I mean, it depends on what you value. And I guess you right? know, if you're, if it's about the performance, let's go. I made the mistake of giving my kids scratch recently and now they're obsessed oh, no. and I only have like three scoops left. I need to order some more. And, uh, I'm like, kids enough with the scratch enough you, mom needs this like i can't share with well, you right now <laughs> megan's brother came over the house one time and we, we had had a nice evening of drinking whiskey and i was like you know what works really well after is try this scratch it'll help you out and ever since then he'll come over and just he knows where our bag of scratch is and he, he like will literally just make scratch all day for himself and i'm like that's that's you just uh, you just took seventy five like, cents dollars. Yeah, you just took all that <laughs> money from me, bro. Uh, but yeah. Speaking of alcohol, what sort of impact does that have on our training, if any? And I'm sure it depends on the quantity and the person. Yeah, because like Robbie had a great race and he went out drinking beers all day. <laughs> It's always shocking to me. It's always shocking to me, right? But th you're right. There are those anomalies and phenomenal livers like Robbie has. Um, so, I mean, honestly, if we're really trying to recover, alcohol is going to hinder recovery some. So if we're looking at that peak week of training, we likely have back to back to back to back big efforts for what, like 14 days, maybe, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Um, so if we can be a little more strategic with alcohol during that time, I mean, it could certainly be beneficial. Um, the biggest thing, right, is timing of it. Like, let's not have a cocktail the night before our biggest workout of the build. Um, you know, maybe we have one when we have a down day the next day instead. So just being just being careful, right? Like, as we are with everything, when we're really expecting the most out of our bodies and just making sure that you've got that scratch on hand to rehydrate if you do have a cocktail. Perfect. Is that the answer you wanted to hear, Thomas? Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> 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 okay so you talked about tart cherry juice a little bit what are some little extra things that we can possibly be adding in during that high training week or weeks so along the tart cherry juice they've also done some really good research that it can help decrease muscle soreness so a lot of the research on it is done around a race so they'll have athletes take it for like eight days before a race and then two days after you know um and there's some really good research to show that it can help with muscle soreness so you know taking that a step further like would it be helpful to use something like that not only would it help us sleep but maybe it'll help decrease muscle soreness um it might, right? So I've had some athletes play around with that. I think the other competing thought that's out there is um, 
and I guess this leads to another thing that some people do sometimes is take like high dose antioxidants. So when we think about when we're training really, really hard, so we're putting a huge stressor on our body, which creates this extra, you know, oxidative stress, more free radicals are appearing in our body, the things that can do damage and make it harder to recover. So, you know, it's been proposed, like, should we take like mega dose vitamin C, vitamin E, you know, different antioxidants. And they've actually found that that can be a little bit harmful because, our body creating those free radicals actually in a healthy runner is going to encourage our body to repair and get stronger. So sometimes we've thought like if we supplement with too many antioxidants, we might actually be blunting our training response so that we're not responding as strong to that training once we do recover after those peak weeks. So, um, you know, they haven't specifically done research on tart cherries to find out like, is it too much or is it not? And I think that's probably why most of the research is just around that, that race. Um, but if it's something that's helping you sleep at night, right. You know, I think it would be worth trying it for a week or two during that, um, you know, that period, I don't think it should be, um, you know, too hard, but it does bring up the good point. Like, let's make sure that we are getting enough natural antioxidants from our diet. So if we've got a really crummy diet, you know, this would be the time to add those, you know, bright blueberries and raspberries and spinach and kale into that smoothie so that we're getting some of those, you know, really rich antioxidants, fr fruit and vegetables into our diet to help naturally repair and recover from that stress of training versus like taking a mega dose supplement or something. Um, so that's something they've been doing a ton of research on lately. And then, just like we were talking about a couple episodes ago with the omega-3s. So they've done some interesting research. So omega-3s is a type of fatty acid in our diet, and it is not something our body can produce on its own. It's an essential amino acid. So we have to get it through food, but it's not in a ton of food. So it's in salmon. There's a little bit in tuna, um, sardines, <laughs> and uh chia seeds, flax seeds, walnuts. That's really kind of the only place we get omega-3s. And what we're finding is when they're testing runners that are training really hard, their um, omega-3 index scores are low. So whether that's because the runners aren't eating enough omega-3 or because we're using more of it as we train, which I would go with the latter, like we're probably need more omega-3 when we're training hard. And just knowing that we don't get a ton of it through our diet, it may be beneficial to take a high dose omega-3 supplement. Um, and there is, you know, also some newer research on it that can actually increase our HBR, that heart rate, heart rate variability, which some runners have started to track. So it's kind of interesting. Um, it certainly can't hurt. It could only help to supplement with omega-3 during that time. So this might be a very dumb question, but do you need to be supplementing like before like peak week so that it's in your system or is it like the day of that's good or like, how does that work? Yeah. So I always tell people to supplement during a full training cycle, not just peak week. Okay. Um, just knowing what we know about runners needing more and most of us not getting enough. Um, I think it's always going to be beneficial. It also helps with muscle recovery, muscle soreness, muscle strength. I mean, all those things are things we can benefit from a whole training cycle. So just making sure, I guess, to your point, we don't have to necessarily increase above that. If we're already supplementing, let's just keep it, keep it like it is. Yeah. And so you would be supplementing through race day. Yeah, I would. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, guys, jumping in here to remind you about our sponsor inside tracker. So if you're listening before, you know, already, they measure over 30 biomarkers and recommend food supplements to optimize things like energy, cognition, endurance, heart health, and more. 
And for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash fuel. Do it. Okay, talk to us about collagen. Collagen. That one's a fancy one these days. So collagen is not a complete protein. So I don't want you guys using this for your protein shakes, right? Like let's use whey or plant-based or something like that. But um, what we know is collagen can be incredibly helpful if we take it before exercise to help decrease the risk of injury to tendons, ligaments, and joints. So if we think about that, most of us have something wrong with a tendon, a ligament, or a joint, and it likes to flare during peak week. Um, so it could be beneficial, right, to make sure that we're supplementing this heading into those times so that you know we're getting that extra influx of collagen and vitamin C to help keep those tissues healthy. Cool. Yeah, we that's something that we take in our coffee every morning. It's a very expensive habit, but I think it's worth it. Same. Um, okay, so let's say you've been training real hard all summer and maybe you haven't been very diligent about your hydration and it starts to creep up on you and you're feeling a little bit dehydrated. Can you come back from that? So, okay, here's the cool thing about hydration. It's going to hit us sooner. So we're going to feel the effects of dehydration way before we feel the effects of poor nutrition, but we can also fix hydration so much faster than getting in the hole from a nutrition perspective. So I think it's important to kind of start to notice in our training, which one it might be, right? When our energy tanks, when we get a headache post-run, um, when efforts feel hard, being like, all right, am I dehydrated or do I need to eat more? Like I work really hard with people to try to figure that out so they can learn that, so they can take that forward on their own in, in future training. So, um, you know, dehydration can completely stall out a peak week if we're not, if we're not careful about it, because it can decrease performance so fast. Um, so I think, you know, we're definitely not screwed if we've gotten dehydrated because we can probably rehydrate and, you know, seriously four to six hours if we're aggressive with it. Um, and just remember hydration isn't just fluid, it's fluid plus sodium. So there are tons of higher sodium electrolyte drinks out these days. So it used to just be, you know, our Gatorade endurance, our scratch and our tailwind. Now we've got liquid IV and element and noon instant. And I mean, there are tons of high sodium choices now. And so that's how we can, you know, more rapidly rehydrate is if we've got some sodium, we've got some extra fluid. I'm a bigger fan, truthfully, of salting our food or eating salty food, because that's going to stimulate our thirst. If we eat salty pretzels, if we put salt on our toast, if we put soy sauce on our food, you know, that's going to stimulate us to drink more water. And it's a little cheaper. <laughs> it's a little easier to just do it that way. Um, so just being mindful, like, as we're increasing, you know, carbs and protein that week, let's increase salt, right. To increase, you know, fluid and to just really stay on top of making sure we're drinking enough. So you said it's much easier to come back, uh, under hydrated versus under fueling. And so let's say someone unintentionally under fueled for, I don't know, a week and is going into a hard workout but they do all of the other stuff, right? So they do some scratch before they eat some graham crackers. Are they still going to be, is that still not going to help? 
No, it will help. I always tell people like if, if somebody's been sick and they're coming back to trading or they've gone on vacation, they're like, I didn't eat very well on vacation, like in a, in a not enough way. Um, you know, when they get back, I tell them like, that means we need to pad these workouts with extra nutrition. So we need to eat more before we need to lean heavier on gels and chews and sports drinks during that effort, because we just don't have the stored nutrition that we would if we were really on top of our nutrition leading up to some of these workouts. So that means we need to rely more on nutrition during some of these workouts and then of course the recovery after so like that before during and after if we can really 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 hone in on that we can kind of help negate some of the maybe under fueling that led up to hopefully unintentional right that led up to some of those efforts all right so Megan give us you know two to three takeaways of what we need to be nailing peak week for optimal recovery and performance let's make sure we're eating enough shocker right that i told you to eat more (laughs) carbs and get your protein three to four times a day um no but i think you know with that in mind we need to make sure that we understand our appetite might actually be going in the opposite direction when we start to train harder so we need to have strategies we need to have snacks around we need to have meals a little bit thought out leading into these couple big weeks of peak week to make sure that we're setting ourselves up for success, right? We know how our body's going to respond. We're going to be tired. We're not going to have as much energy to cook. We know that we need more food, but our appetite might be poor. So have things around that you can always eat, that you are willing to, you know, dive headfirst into a bag of pretzels or, you know, whatever that is for you. Um, Just make sure you're setting yourself up for success so that you can meet these energy needs. You know, to your point, Meg, let's stay hydrated, stay on top of hydration, both sodium and fluid, especially when we're training for these fall marathons through the summer probably actually need more than we even realize. Um, but again, not all water. We want to make sure that we're getting some some sports drinks and a decent amount of sodium in there too. And then once we got all that nailed in, if we want to think about what we need to supplement to make this better. So if we're not already taking, you know, an omega-3 supplement, if we want to try something like tart cherry juice, pomegranate juice, you know, whatever that might be to get some extra antioxidants in, you know, that might be helpful. Um, and you know, if we do have a history of, you know, tendon ligament issue, joint issues, you know, could collagen, you know, be something that we add in as well. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Chris, for submitting your question. If now, if somebody else wants to submit a question, how do they do it? They can go to the anchor app. There's a little button that says message. You can send us an audio file or you can shoot us an email at fuel for the soul podcast at gmail.com. So make sure you guys are fueling it up for those peak weeks of training.